Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Mary Kay is here. I'm Dan. Let's get right to it. Questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. To get involved in that, become one of our text subscribers. We had a few people today that put little notes in their uh, in their questions and said how much they love being part of Football Insider. So get involved. Join us. Uh, let's start here. Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. We have a lot of Joe Flacco questions. We have a lot of DTR questions, but I kind of wanted to start with this. And we touched on this a little bit in the postgame pod. So Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut asks, hey, Mary Kay, what is a realistic ceiling for this team this season? Tom thinks second round of the playoffs seems about right. Wow. You know what? It's really hard to predict because when you have a defense like this, I've never covered a defense like this. This defense is so dang good that anything can happen. I think it's the kind of defense that can actually take you all the way to the Super Bowl. Because if you can shut down someone's offense, regardless of whose it is, they're not going to beat you. <laughs> they are just not going to beat you. And of course, you know, you've got to get the job done to a, to a certain degree on the other side of the ball. You know, DTR or whoever is going to be at quarterback uh, throughout the rest of this stretch is going to have to protect the football and, uh, you know, and play some clean ball. But when you've got a defense like this, I think anything can happen. And I know it might sound preposterous to, to think that they could go all the way with a rookie quarterback. Uh, but I think the defense is that good. I mean, we've seen it up close and personal. We have mm-hmm. seen what it can do uh, to even some very prolific offenses. Even Mike Tomlin said it yesterday. You know, they they do this to pretty much every offense. And uh, and it's true. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, when I think of anybody, when I think of Miami or when I think of, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or, or anybody, I think that this unbelievably dominant defense can give anybody a run for their money. So I'm not going to put the ceiling at second round of the playoffs. I think uh, once they get into the tournament, anything can happen. It's open season and nobody's going to want to play the Cleveland Browns. And I, I think it's important too to remember, like it's a lot about matchups too. Once you get to the postseason, like, you know, I mean, just looking at the standings right now. So if the playoffs started today, the Browns would be the five seed. And so that means, let me see if I can figure this out. Baltimore would play Pittsburgh, Jacksonville would play Houston, and the Browns would play in Miami. Hmm. And I think Miami's a good matchup for this team. I know that offense is great, but like, guess what Miami struggles with? Pressure and physicality. Well, guess what the Browns are really good at? Pressure and and physicality. So, you know, that that could be a favorable matchup. We're actually going to get to see this team play Jacksonville here in a few weeks. So we'll get an, an idea of what that matchup looks like. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to what they can get out of the quarterback position. And and we don't know the answer to that yet, but this defense, I agree with you is good enough to carry this team to some wins. And then you just play the matchup game in the playoffs. And if you get the right matchups for three rounds in a row, that's how you wake up one day and you're in Las Vegas getting ready for the Super Bowl. I am not predicting that. But if you get the right matchups with this defense, that's how it happens. Yeah, stranger things have happened. And I would not be saying this. I would not be saying this or even come close to saying this if I didn't think that they had one of the most dominant defenses that I've ever seen. I mean, they're just really deep and amazing from front to back. And, uh, you know, I can't think of an offense in the NFL that they can't solve or for the most part shut down. 
Now, it will be interesting to see, you know, what happens if they end up having to play the Ravens again. I think that's an offense where, uh, you know, if they're all healthy, you know, that, you know, that could be an offense where uh, Baltimore could give them the business a little bit. Because, you know, if you start to be able to run the ball really well and do, you know, do some things, then, uh, you know, then you can get past Miles Garrett and company. But other than that, there's no offense in this NFL that this defense would be intimidated by or feel like it can't beat. Not Patrick Mahomes and not anyone. And uh, and I think I think it's going to be very, very exciting. I think this team can make plenty of noise in the playoffs, and I see no reason whatsoever why they couldn't go all the way. And I think some of it, too, is I, I don't think the matchup is necessarily the opposing offense. I think the tough matchups are like the teams that have great defenses on the other side. So you mentioned Baltimore, right? That's probably the second best defense in, in football right now. That's a tough game. Kansas City has a really, really good defense. And so that, you know, those are the games where it comes down to like a game like yesterday where it's a 10 to 10 game and the Browns end up getting the game winning field goal. Does that change if you're playing Patrick Mahomes or someone like that? Um, if, if there's a better quarterback on the other side, that, that kind of puts you at a disadvantage. But those those are the teams that I would be most worried about if I were the Browns, not the powerful offenses. I'd be worried about the teams that can match you defensively, especially because you're either going to be starting a rookie fifth rounder or and we're going to get we're going to get to this or a 38 year old Joe Flacco at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it is really amazing to think that they have reached this point in this season where they have a championship caliber defense that can beat any offense. And I think strike fear into any offense. I think if you asked, if you went around and surveyed some of the best offenses in the NFL and asked them now who they would not want to face in the playoffs, I would think that it would be Miles Garrett and company and the Cleveland Browns defense. Um, but you know, they've got to get some decent enough quarterback play, right? I mean, what happened yesterday? I mean, they were, they were very fortunate to get out of that game alive. I mean, 10 to 10 all the way right up until the very end. And the Browns now have four games where the, they have won the game in the final two minutes with a game winning score in the final two minutes of play that's happened four times this season, which is the most in, in franchise history. So, um, you know, so that, that's says something right there that they're taking it down to the wire, but you can't always survive like that. You are going to want to score some points moving forward and they're going to have to find a way to do that. Okay, so now let's get into some questions about DTR. This comes from Mavro in CBUS. Hey, Mary Kay, I feel the Browns will give DTR some time to develop uh, his timing with receivers since he's only really had one week of reps with the one since the season started. How long do you think that time will be, in your opinion? As long as he's not throwing interceptions and as long as he's managing the game in the way they need it to be managed and they can still win with him, then he will be in there. Once it gets to the point where he's not doing that and he's making more mistakes than he is good plays, then they'll take him out of there. And that's just what he is going to have to do. It's why he was so upset yesterday when he threw an interception because he knows that's the thing that he cannot do. But he must also not freak out 
if he does throw an interception because it's one play and you have to pull yourself back together. That's another reason why I think it's really important that they brought Joe Flacco on board. They do need that veteran presence. Uh, You know, DTR was talking about how, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was instrumental in helping him when he threw that interception to kind of like put that brave face back on, watch his body language and let people know he's got this. And that, you know, that's where those veteran guys come in handy. Um, But as long as he is not turning the ball over and for the most part, managing the game effectively, hanging onto the ball, you know, running some of those 15 yard drives and 16 yard drives and hanging onto it. And they're running the ball effectively. You know, they, they can get the job done mostly on the strength of their defense and their excellent kicker. I mean, they, they certainly, certainly would not be seven and three this season without Dustin Hopkins. I mean, there's just no way I think, I mean, you know, there are at least four games in which they needed him to do every single thing that he did in order to secure the victory. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think even if they if it is DTR the rest of the way, the days of 27 to nothing wins over the Cardinals are behind us. I don't think there might be an outlier game here or there where they score 25, 30 points or something. But I think what we saw yesterday is what this is going to look like a lot of the way. They're going to play field position. You're going to see Kevin have to continue to do something he probably hates, even though he never admitted, mm-hmm. which is punt, you know, from like his own 49 yard line, uh, take field goals, all that stuff that this is going to this is going to feel like a grind sometimes. And, you know, maybe they'll run into a defense where it's a little easier and they and they put up some points and they can move the football. But I do feel like this is this is kind of what it's going to look like. And that's OK as long as you win. Yeah, I mean, it will look like this in some games. But again, it's all about matchups. And you never know how they will decide to attack a lesser defense. I mean, if they're not worried about T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith coming screaming off the edge, they might let DTR air it out a little bit more. They might take some more chances uh, if they've got defenses where you're just a little bit less fearful of what they might do to your rookie quarterback. So, um you know, it, it just depends. I mean, they've got winnable, they've got some winnable games coming up, but I'll tell you what, those Denver Broncos, you know, they have suddenly kind of woken up and they are not the easy out that it looked like they might be at the start of this season. I mean, they've won four games, they've won five of their last seven, and they beat a few teams. I mean, they've in, in that stretch, uh, they've defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, I think maybe even the Bills. Yeah, the they Bills. Did. They got they yeah. got Ken Dorsey fired. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just, it's been such a whirlwind. But yes, they you know so they're they're beating some good teams. This is not a pushover, and you know you always knew that Sean Payton was going to to coach them up and get them ready to play. And now I think you're starting to see some of the fruits of his labor. And this is not going to be an easy out in Denver by any stretch. Yeah, he's been, and I haven't done a lot on the Broncos, but I've seen him a couple times in these last two primetime games, you know, here and there. He's at least getting something out of Russell Wilson. Like, Russ does not look completely lost anymore. It looks like he's sort of figured out how the two of them can coexist, at least for the rest of this season. And they're, they're winning games like the Browns won yesterday, and that's – Again, that's why this is going to be, these are winnable games, but it's going to be tough because a lot of them are going to be closer than you want them to be. And if the ball just happens to bounce the wrong way, or you get that one game where Dustin Hopkins does send one wide left, 
That's what that's when you lose a game to Denver. You lose a game to the Rams that maybe you weren't expecting. But the good news is they're sitting there at seven and three and and still have a chance regardless. So let's get to this because you were kind of touching on this. It comes from Carloso in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Hey, Mary Kay. On recent podcasts, I'm hearing concerns about DTR's ability to throw down field as the basis for Flacco possibly needing to start. Uh, granting that Flacco may start at some point, don't you think DTR's charge for the Pittsburgh game was set up by Stefanski to run, throw short, limit turnovers, and build up DTR's confidence? It's kind of a long way to get to this. I don't think at this point it's fair to judge DTR's ability to throw down field on the basis of anything about Sunday's game. Uh, so what do you think of the game plan yesterday and if there's still something there as far as DTR being able to get the ball down the field? Yes, this is a great question, by the way. It's a really, really good question. And Dan, you and I have touched upon this a little bit because I think you are in the camp of DTR can't get the ball downfield more so than I am. Uh, and I do think that this particular game plan was exactly the way uh, that our texture just described. It was super conservative. Don't make any mistakes. Play within yourself. Don't throw the ball to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were uh, amazing at getting the takeaways. You know, don't let them beat you in that way like they always do. And uh, above all, protect that, that football. So they weren't airing it out. They weren't taking chances. They weren't taking shots. They were trying to keep him protected and upright and all of those things. But I do think that he has it in him uh, more than we have seen to date. I do think that he's, he throws a better long ball than we have seen him do so far. I've seen it in practice, but also I think he had a very underrated arm coming out in the draft. I think he actually has one of the strongest arms uh, that came out in this draft, and it might even be the second strongest I thought I saw somewhere or heard somewhere. Uh, so we have to dig into that a little bit deeper, but he's he's got it in him is what I'm trying to say. And if they find shots to Amari Cooper, and they will, then at some point, DTR is going to take those shots and he'll do it at strategic points uh, in games where, you know, they're not going to put the game on the line because every victory matters so much right now. They're in a dogfight with the Baltimore Ravens uh, to win the AFC North. And it's right there for the taking for them, in part because uh, the Ravens have one of the toughest schedules the rest of the way. And the Browns have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL the rest of the way. And that matters. You know, that makes a huge difference. So, um, you know, everything is still right there for them as long as, um, you know, as long as he does what he needs to do. But I do think that there is, uh, you know, more of an explosive offense in him as he goes along. I I do think there's more downfield than what we saw yesterday. I actually was looking this up while you were talking. Um, So his time to throw yesterday, this is from PFF, was 2.15 seconds, which was the fastest in the league. Uh, Pretty significantly, too. Uh, Tua was next um, when you filter it for 20% of 52 dropbacks. Tua was second at 2.37. So they were getting the ball out of his hands quick. And a lot of that was because of that Steelers pass rush. There was definitely a scheme element to it. And they're not going to face that pass rush every week. So they might be able to kind of max protect a little bit and let him try and take some shots to Amari Cooper, let some things develop. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever like, I think the arm is probably there if Kevin schemes it up, but I don't think Dorian's going to create a lot of deep throws. That's 
kind of where I think the arm is lacking. It, I mean, it against Baltimore, he wasn't really getting it down the field. Um, th- there were a couple passes on Sunday that were kind of like, felt like they were taking a long time to get where they were supposed to get to. Um, but I do think Kevin's going to be able to kind of sit down and against teams that just don't suffocate you like Pittsburgh with the pass rush. I think Kevin's going to be able to scheme something up downfield for DTR. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to have uh, a 55 yard pass all in the air to have explosive plays. I mean, if you hit it right with your, you know, deeper outs and things like that, and you get the ball into the hands of, of some of your better playmakers, you know, you should be able to get some yards after catch, you know, you should be able to attack the middle of the field more with David Njoku. And we should talk about David Njoku at some point um, during this pod, but, um, but there are definitely explosive plays to be had and you, you want to have them because you just really can't have um, teams stacking the box and, and, you know, not letting you run the ball. You're going to have to loosen things up a little bit and stretch that defense and give at least the threat of some of those downfield shots. So when they can take them, they will, but they're going to try not to take them probably, uh, you know, when you've got the uh, the TJ Watts of the world coming after you. Yeah, because I think we saw yesterday in the second half that Pittsburgh just decided they were going to sit on everything. And that um, they, like, the Browns offense couldn't even breathe. Now they had the drops, of course, too, like you were getting at. And let's get to this question from Shannon and Lake Charles. Uh, a little bit about DTR, a little bit about David Njoku. Hey, Mary Kay, DTR was much better than his game one. Felt he played well within the confines of the plan yesterday. How much better would he have been without all the drops, including mm. one that David Njoku dropped in the end zone? Now, that one was borderline interference, but um, they, David had a tough day yesterday. He really did. And we know that he did because he responded to it uh, by, you know, by telling us, and you wrote a story about mm. it, uh, where he said that his performance was unacceptable. And it was unacceptable. I mean, they're paying him $14 million a year. Uh, to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And DTR called him like the best tight end in the NFL, which of course we debated that last night in our podcast. Um, but the point is they're paying him like an elite tight end. And then you have to catch the ball like an elite tight end. And as Amari Cooper always says, it doesn't matter who's throwing you the ball. It doesn't matter if the ball is coming in differently than it did two weeks ago with Deshaun Watson or three weeks ago with PJ Walker. It's your job to catch whatever ball that comes in. And if you're a professional, then you're going to be able to do that. And Dave Njoku went home and got on the jugs machine last night. And I think Kevin Stefanski said he FaceTimed him or something like that, uh, you know, with him on the jugs. And that's exactly what he needed to do because he did not help his rookie quarterback yesterday. And of course, no one goes out there and tries to do that or wants to do that, but he, he couldn't get it together. And fortunately for him, he did get it together in the nick of time on the final drive and caught that 11-yarder. Because if he didn't do that, then they, they might not have won the game. So, you know, they're darn lucky that he got, got it together when he did. But David's got to be more consistent this season. It's too late in his career for that kind of inconsistency and for those kind of drops. I counted four drops. And I'm a hard grader when it comes to grading, catching passes. But I think most receivers and tight ends would, would agree with me 
on some of those, they would put it on themselves and say they should have had it, especially if it hits them in the hands. So I had them down for four. And I mean, conservatively, at least three, but a couple of them were on third down. One of them, as you mentioned, was in the end zone. You can't be dropping passes in the end zone. Um, so, I mean, even if you are interfered with, we see Amari interfered with plenty and he still comes down with the ball. So I just, uh, I just think David has to concentrate more than he has been. And I think he needs to get back to maybe some computer hand-eye work or something. Uh, look at it in a little bit better. I don't know. He needs to focus and concentrate more uh, than he has been so far because he can be a true, true force down the stretch. And how many times have I said, Dan, that in the right conditions, he's an eight touchdown a year tight end? Well, you can't drop the ball in the end zone if you want to get there. I mean, you just can't. And they need him to be that $14 million tight end over these next seven weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's always sort of been the the issue is the in the right conditions part. Like if you are the best tight end in the NFL and, and again, I, it's not an insult to anyone to say, I don't think he is. I think it's probably a guy that plays for Kansas city um, who's currently dating Taylor Swift, but um, <laughs> like you also have to be able to function and make plays when the conditions aren't right, when they aren't perfect when you don't have the right quarterback or you do, you know, that's when he needs to be there to help elevate Dorian Thompson Robinson. And it didn't, it didn't happen yesterday. So I don't know. I don't know if this is just who David is. I mean, we're how many years into this now? And every now and again, these drops kind of keep creeping back up. You know, he seemed to kind of get over them a little bit. It hasn't been as bad as it used to be, but I just think this is sort of what it's going to be. I think every now and again, David's probably going to have games like this. And I, you know, it was it was good for him that he stepped up and made that big catch, though. And I will also give him credit that whenever he has had a game like this, he's sat at his locker and he's talked to us and he's owned up to it. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly give him credit for that. But may, maybe this is just part of it. Like, he's just going to have some games like this where, you know, for whatever reason, his hands just aren't there. Well, you're right. I mean, it has been part of the D- David Njoku experience to this point, and it's seven years now. So there is a large sample size. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, this has been part of the narrative with him. Um, but I don't think it has to be going forward. I think he can flip the script on this. I really do. I, I have felt that way about him from day one, that he has got it in him to be a really, really amazing, amazing pass-catching touchdown catching tight end, but you have to look it in. You've got to focus, you know, you've got to concentrate. And I know it hasn't helped matters that he is on his third starting quarterback right now. He's on his third starting quarterback this season and they are only nine games in. So, or is it 10, 10 games in? Um, So, you know, that's not ideal for these guys when they have to go back and forth. I thought that was one of the reasons why guys struggled last year when Deshaun came back, because they were so locked in on Jacoby Brissett and they, you know, they had their timing with him and they had their mojo down with him. And then I don't think they were ready for the changeup. So it can be difficult, but that's part of being a pro. You have to be able to pivot and adjust to whatever is being thrown at you, both literally and figuratively. And David needs to step it up. They need more from him starting Sunday in Denver. Okay, let's take a break. And then we've got some more questions on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast coming up. 
and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby of Mary Kay Cabot, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Let's go to keep going down this receiver road. Joe Sheriff, uh, I think this is a first timer. Joe Sheriff in Boonville, Kentucky. Hey Mary Kay, it seems to me like the Browns have one reliable receiver. What can they do to fix that? Well, part of it would be David mm-hmm. kind of stepping up his game. Yeah, David is one thing, and we've talked ad nauseum about that. Uh, but the next thing is Elijah Moore. And I think part of the problem with Elijah Moore this season has been opportunity. I think he's been open a number of times and quarterbacks have missed him. Uh, But there are other factors with Elijah. I think in the beginning of the season, they thought they could use him in a certain set of ways. And I think that they came to realize, okay, maybe we're not going to do the let's, let's line him up as a running back as much, you know, let's not put his body at at that much of a risk. Um, You know, I think that his role has been a work in progress. And what they need to do is get touches for him early on and get him involved in the game plan early on and make sure that defenses know that they have to worry about him a little bit to take some of the attention off Amari Cooper. Uh, So I think that is a big area for growth on this offense is in Elijah Moore. And they had a big plan for him in the beginning of the season, and they should not abandon that plan. He's got the ability to step up and be that receiver. And, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, hopefully for, for DTR, he'll find that connection with Elijah and Elijah will be there for him. He's one of the guys that had a very big drop yesterday. He regretted it. He owned it. You know, that's not what you can do. And I know that if, if we went up and asked him again on Wednesday, you know, is that because you had to adjust to a new quarterback? He would say, no, it's because I just didn't catch the ball and I didn't make the play I was supposed to make. I mean, that's just, he's a professional. And I know that he would say that. So, you know, these guys have just got to keep working at it. They have to keep working on themselves. They have to keep working with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I think it will get better. And they still have seven games left. And if he sticks around as the starting quarterback, then in those last three or four games of the season, they should be humming along. I mean, it should start to look pretty good heading into the playoffs. And I definitely still think they're making the playoffs. Yeah, he's starting to, we're starting to see him a little bit more. Um, So against Baltimore, he had five for 44 and a touchdown, a a big touchdown on a scramble drill with Deshaun. And then against Pittsburgh, he had six for 60. He's had 14 targets the last two games. So it's coming around a little bit for Elijah. I don't know what that ceiling ultimately looks like, but at least we're starting to see him get more involved in the, in the passing game and he's getting a little bit more comfortable at least. So um, that's big. You know, if they could figure out a way to get said Tillman going a little bit, that would help. Um, You know, he's had some he's been pretty good blocking, but at some point you need your receivers to catch the ball, too. Um, So that I mean, that would be big if they can get him going a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's an obvious answer on the roster outside of a couple of guys just need to kind of step up and play a little better, you know, and and that starts with David and, and Elijah. Yeah, it starts with David and Elijah for sure. But as you mentioned, uh, said Tillman is sort of an unmined opportunity there as well. And we know those guys played together in high school. They already have sort of a natural chemistry. And so, you know, that's an area that they should try to exploit a little bit as they move forward. Now, said has to prove that he's up for that and he's ready for it. But um, there should be no reason why those guys can't hit a couple of big plays together like they have in the past. And of course we saw it in preseason and I I do think they have it in them. It wasn't going to happen yesterday because 
the long ball was not part of the game plan. But going forward, they're going to try to hit some explosives. You have to. You cannot just put on film, uh, you know, just a dinky, dunky little offense. That's not going to fly. So I think all those guys will have their opportunities. And when they come, they have to make the catch. Okay, this is a fun one. Uh, we're going to have to rack our brains a little bit. Mm. Tyson in New Braunfels. Hey, Mary Kay, in your opinion, mm. what is the best trade Andrew Barry has made as GM? The two he throws out are Amari Cooper and Dustin Hopkins. Those are good ones. Those are really, really good ones. And I think the jury is still out on the trade for Elijah Moore. I mean, if, you know, that could still turn out to be really, really good. Um, but I would say mm. that the two our texture is referencing are the first two that came to my mind. Um, let's throw a few others out there for the, um, for the sake of debate. Let me, um, so let's see. Well, Deshaun Watson is a trade. Okay. Deshaun <laughs> so, is a trade. I don't think we, we call should... that the best trade he's made at this point. <laughs> we, we should probably talk about that one. Um, um, but yeah, Zedarius. that one, that, you know, the jury is for sure still out on the Deshaun trade. I mean, if he takes the team to a couple of Super Bowls, you know, then, you know, then that one elevates. But um, yeah, Zadarius is, is a good one. But I, I think I would go Amari and Dustin as, as one and two right now. I, yeah, I, to me, it's just hard to argue with Amari. There's, there's definitely a case for Dustin just because of how he's stabilized that kicking position. And like, if Kate York were this team's kicker, they would not be seven and three. Uh, but when you, when you just look at what it costs to get Amari, what was it? A fifth round pick. And like yes. they swapped picks like in the sixth or something. Yeah. So you, you get that. And then you end up with a guy who is probably going to be the first receiver in team history to go over a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons and has just thrived no matter who his quarterback is and has probably has made Jacoby Brissett better. Um, has made Deshaun Watson better is probably going to at some point make Dorian Thompson Robinson better. Certainly made PJ Walker better. I think it's, I I think it's Amari Cooper. I would hear arguments for Dustin Hopkins just because of what he's meant to this team and because of the the player he replaced. But I think from a production versus what you gave up standpoint, I think Amari Cooper runs away with it, at least to me. No, I, I would agree with you there. I, I would agree with you, even though, even though in this particular season, as I mentioned before, there are probably at least four victories that would not have happened without Dustin Hopkins. I mean, I mean, I mean, we can't say that that Cade York would have missed all of those kicks. So you know, maybe we bring it down to you know at least two victories. But I mean, there was a game in which he made a bunch of fifty yarders, and I don't know who else is doing that. Um, so two or three games, I think, can be directly traced to Dustin Hopkins. So for this particular season, he's running pretty neck and neck with Amari in terms of trade value and the importance to the team in that particular particular year to accomplish your goals. They are not accomplishing their goals this year without Dustin Hopkins. So he's he's way up there. But from a sheer, you know, talent versus fifth round pick standpoint, um, it's really hard to argue with with the Amari's trade. And it's very telling that the last two weeks when Dustin Hopkins went out to kick those field goals, even after the missed extra point, 
when he went out to kick those field goals, you just kind of knew, all right, it's mm-hmm. over. Browns are going to win this thing. So that that's really what he's, what he's brought to this team for sure. Again, that's why I would certainly listen to that argument if somebody really wants to, to pound the table and, and argue for Dustin mm-hmm. Hopkins. Okay, last one here. And th- this is more like, I just want to spend a little time talking about this guy, Jamie and Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think with Rodney McLeod turning 34 before next season that yesterday's mm-hmm. injury could be a career ender? I, I imagine the Browns are still very happy they signed him as far as him helping the rest of the secondary get up to speed in Schwartz's scheme. And I felt like Rodney deserved a little bit of time here on the pod. Uh, he'll be out for the year. Uh, he's going to under going to undergo surgery on a biceps injury. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him at the Greenbrier. Um, I had a chance to talk to him last week too. After uh, Deshaun went down, he was on that 2017 Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. And you can just tell this is a different guy, Mary Kay, an undrafted guy that started in St. Louis playing for Greg Williams and worked his way into a a really good NFL player who started on Super Bowl teams. So even though this is the third safety, I do think this is a significant loss for this team. I do too. And all you had to do was hear Greg Newsome talk about Rodney McLeod today and the impact on this defense uh, to understand what we are trying Mm -hmm. to convey here. I asked Greg Newsome about that today, and he just gave a really nice, profound answer about Mm -hmm. how, uh, Rodney McLeod put his stamp on this defense and everything we are is because of Rodney. Rodney played for five seasons for Jim Schwartz and understands the Schwartz way. Not only that, he won a Super Bowl with Jim Schwartz. So when you talk about bringing a guy in that can help you implement your way of doing things, Rodney McLeod was that guy. And then you pair him with a great leader like Anthony Walker and you really are onto something. I mean, it's it's dynamite leadership, which is so important. And I remember asking Mike Singletary one year, the great Hall of Famer, uh, about the 85 Bears and what made them so good in their Super Bowl year. And he said, team leadership. That was it. That was it more than talent or anything else. And I do think that there's so much to be said for that. And it's really hard to find great team leaders. You can find some good ones. But it's hard to find the great ones. And I would put Anthony in that category. And I would put Rodney in that category. And he is really going to be missed. Not just from a regular run-of-the-mill leadership standpoint, but from a implementing the Jim Schwartz way of doing things standpoint. He's just a really, really good, good guy. And the players love him and look up to him. And he is going to be missed in, in so many ways. And I, you know, like you said, we don't talk about him enough because he's not out there, you know, starting all the time or making the flashiest plays all the time. Uh, but he is such an important part of this defense. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you're right. I think sometimes we can overlook leadership and how important those guys are. Mm. And that like, that's why he's here. I mean, um, you know, Ephraim Banda told us during a press conference in the spring that he calls him coach. You know, like that's, that's how he's respected. Everybody calls him OG. Um, He learned from Malcolm Jenkins in Philadelphia. And, and I think there's something to be said about a guy that, like I said, came up as an undrafted free agent, had to play special teams. Like Rodney McLeod knows what Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell are going through just as much as he knows what Juan Thornhill and, and some of the, you know, higher touted guys that came in and got paid right away. He knows what those guys are going through too. Just when you're, when you kind of come from those roots, you can kind of relate to everybody on that defense. And so I, I do think it's a tough loss. I don't, it's not a season 
it's not a season derailing loss or anything, but I, they're going to miss him for sure. Well, when you have a guy like that, uh, you really are almost dealing with another coach or a coach who is playing some of those roles when you're not in the meeting room or when you're not necessarily on the field, but in all the other places and, and areas that you could move around in, you're learning from the Rodney McLeods and you're learning from the, the Anthony Walkers. And that's why when we talk about Joe Flacco coming in, it is so imperative to have veteran leadership in every single room. And I think it's really smart they're bringing in Joe because, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about leadership and how important it is. And yesterday when DTR threw the interception, it was Deshaun Watson who helped him get that frown turned upside down. Like I wrote in my, my story. I mean, he really helped him uh, shake off some bad body language and some very, you know, challenging vibes going on inside that head of his and he got him back on track enough where he was able to pull himself together and go out and orchestrate that game-winning field goal drive. That's because of the veteran leadership on the football team. And if you want to make it to the Super Bowl, you need to have a healthy dose of that. Okay, all those questions from our Football Insider subscribers, if you want to get involved and become one of our texters, go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page and get all the info on that. You also get a newsletter every day and you can get access to those stories that are behind the paywall over there as well. Uh, Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk and find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube and you'll find our channel there. Daily practice, stand-ups, post-game videos, all of that stuff that you don't want to miss. So get subscribed there. And of course... If you're not, for some reason, get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.